Welcome to Simon and Whiten, the podcast at the center of media politics and business. I'm Christian Whiten, and joining us as always is Mark Simon. Say hello, Mark. Good evening, everybody. Well, Mark, it's been a very interesting couple of days of just news now breaking in the media that Chris Wallace, the host of Fox News Sunday, uh, son of Mike Wallace, I put them both in the uh, not nice guys category. Uh, anyway, moving on, Chris Wallace from Fox and joining CNN. You know, I think of uh, uh, of Wallace as, first of all, poorly placed on Fox. Yeah, and it's not never just that he leans kind of lefty and establishment and crazy arrogant. It's, um, you know, he's ineffective, that he has this confrontational way. Uh, maybe Tim Russert could, could have gotten away with it back, you know, the late Tim Russert on his show. But I frankly always hated his show, too, because it doesn't get the facts out. It's just confrontation for the sake of confrontation. Uh, Fox was always fourth in the ratings against the other Sunday shows. That's, no, that's not entirely fair because those other three were native to incumbent networks. Fox was primarily Fox News. I was also picked up by the main Fox network. Um, and I also put this in the context of these shows not mattering. I mean, it used to be um, when you had people like David Brinkley and Barbara Wallace in her prime running a Sunday show that it would really set the agenda, the news and, and political agenda for that week. They'd have real people on talking about real people, real things. Uh, and, and it was, you know, a real sort of node of, of power. I don't even watch these shows anymore. I haven't in years. Uh, but what do you make of Wallace going to CNN? What does that tell us about business? Well, first of all, um, let me use the baseball owner analogy. They just moved somebody off the roster that cost a lot of money. Um, and also, we don't have to hear uh, Wallace basically selling his wife's cookbooks anymore. Um, <laughs> but the real issue is, is what you said is essentially basically Sunday doesn't matter that much. It's not that important. Um, I was watching some Sunday this morning myself and I was, I turned it off because I really wanted to see what was going on with the tornadoes out in the, out in the Midwest and find out what was happening. And they were having silly conversations about Joe Biden on with, on NBC. And I just kept flipping through it. Look, Wallace is 74 years old. And I hope when I'm 74 years old, somebody comes along and grabs me. Um, Wallace is going to the new CNN. Let's call it like it is. CNN has been bought by M the Malone family. It's basically a Discoveries network. And they're going to take it over. They have already said Malone is already out in public saying he wants more hard news. Chris Wallace, they must be having heart attacks across the woke side of CNN right now. Because Chris Wallace is one thing. He's a 74-year-old guy that worked at Fox. Um I think, you know, he's he leans establishmentarian. He's an establishment guy, but he's not going to be down with the woke stuff. And so I think what we're going to see from him is a tone setting hire. That's how I see him. If I'm looking inside an organization to hire somebody that's going to send a message out and is not going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting, Chris Wallace is the guy. And if you're looking around right now, he's friendly with Malone, from what I understand. And essentially, I think what we're starting to see is CNN figure out they are in such bad place. Somebody was saying, oh, you know, the guy who's replaced, who's replaced the, who was a Republican, who's replaced Chris Cuomo, he's doing really well. He's still got 26% of what Sean Hannity has and basically about 35% of what Rachel Maddow has. He's getting killed. 
You know, they've lost their deal in the airports. They're no longer in the airports. So what <laughs> are they God, doing? Thank I God. know. That was, so what are they was, doing? That They're now inhumane. That was a violation yeah. of the Geneva Convention. That was awful. But now what do they have? What do they have now? They have basically, I think, it kind of made sense to me because guess who the only ones who were constantly covering on a Saturday night, the tornadoes. I mean, I'll criticize Fox. I turned on Fox at 7 p.m. I'm watching the Greg Gutfeld rerun. Eight o'clock, I'm watching Jesse Waters. Right. Fox is well, and, fox. and Fox has Fox Weather, but that's only in an app right now. It's not uh, on cable that's or right. over the but top, they, right? They so, really, yeah, no, I get your point. That, that, but that, yeah, I mean, yeah. Fox, that, that's every one of those states that was hit, Fox won. And every one of those states, people had to go to CNN to watch what was going on because we were watching Jesse Waters talk about silly stuff, you know, that basically he, he, and, his, he and his producers think the base gets. Look, CNN is moving to the middle. There's no doubt about it. They're moving back to hard news. I think the other thing with CNN is, unfortunately, Discovery has a lot of business in China, so we're going to see some problems there for CNN down the road. Right mm -hmm. now, in fairness, AT&T, it's hard for China to affect them. But Chris Wallace is moving on. Uh, I, myself, would probably think that we'll see someone like Maria Bartomoma. That's who I would see take that spot. In other words, just slide her show over from business. She's already got a show on Fox, but just expand it out. Um, and she seems to be what people who watch Fox want to see. In other words, she's hard hitting. She's combative. She essentially, you know, she she's an ideologue in many ways in the sense of like she believes she has the instincts. That's the other problem, too, with Chris Wallace. I always felt this with Wallace. He really wasn't a conservative. So he never asked the right questions. And Maria's combativeness, uh, just sorry to interrupt, <laughs> just describing what she doesn't do. Uh, her combativeness is actually sort of in search of the truth. That with, with Wallace and, again, sort of a poor man's um, version of, of when NBC used to do this, which is it, it just, the, just, just, just in your face, um uh, petulant and and obnoxious and it puts people on their guard it's like you know good prosecutors and good interrogators actually have a mild or a moderate manner start screaming at people and you put them on their guard it just makes I, ugh, bad TV. look people will say trump killed the sunday shows actually it wasn't trump it was obama because hmm. people just forget obama basically was a president who didn't need the media he really didn't need them I mean, if he wanted to go out and have a conversation with the American people, you know, he was quite, quite frankly, the networks would lay, would lay at their feet and he would bring out TOTUS. Remember that TOTUS teleprompter of the United States? <laughs> I you remember know. him, yeah, addressing the kindergarten uh, class of about 12 yeah, people. He, 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 he did he what he wanted to it. do. They're like, wow, what's this? And then, and then what happened? Then what happened? What happened was this bizarre and strange thing that Trump showed up and then everybody all of a sudden has to turn into the Elliot Ness of TV prosecutors and they have to go after Trump. And, you know, I remember one time I was watching and I can't remember who it was, but it was a Trump officially showed up. It was literally something about labor statistics and they just went after him and it was just ridiculous. He's just trying to make a point about labor statistics. Oh, it was Mitch Mulvaney. And it was just ridiculous. It had nothing to do. You know, do you think this and the president, you think that and the president and they're like, it's like some person you meet in the line at the, the supermarket, the crazy lady in the line at the supermarket who starts giving you a hard time because she saw you on TV. Anyway, so yeah, Chris Wallace is going over there. Like I said, when I'm 74, I hope it works out for me.
just yes. Well, well, well we can hope. Um, just to close out the, the Wallace part. So he goes to CNN Plus. So everyone's doing this plus, if, even if they have a real transmission over cable networks and over other over-the-top properties. But, um, you know, Fox has Fox Nation now. It's interesting. So the sort of the, the bedrock of Fox Nation is actually Tucker Carlson. Um, CNN Plus, is that just to bring Wallace over without ostensibly having to push someone out of a time slot but you think you yeah i would i would think basically it's a real quick move in other words it's a quick it's a quick switch for him he can get his show up again he's not going to be he's not i don't think he's going to be taking a nightly show um i would be surprised um he's going to be doing big interviews probably something akin to what christine amanpour does you know in other words she has her used to have her interview show I wouldn't be surprised if we see him as part of 60 Minutes. I wouldn't be surprised in a lot of things. I think he's going to be freelance. I do understand it's non-exclusive, so he can move around and do a few things. Mm-hmm. But look, the internet is actually, in fairness to CNN, is where they're strong. Um, they have a lot of news stories. And I think I think when you see a guy like Wallace there, I think we're going to see them move away from um, – um, this constant focus on the Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon stories. If I was Don Lemon, I'd be worried. Yeah, yeah, Don Lemon, because he's terrible. Um, yeah. Unless at least he's drunk on New Year's Eve, he's okay then. All right, staying with the media, but slightly different story, uh, but, but another liberal media collapse uh, before our very eyes. So BuzzFeed had an IPO, not a straight up IPO, through a SPAC, special purpose acquisition company. You know, I, I'm very skeptical of these. In one way, I admire that capitalism has found a way around onerous regulations, but, you know, the usual IPO process is fairly rigid. In the old days, you used to have this thing, used to need to have this thing called a profit to go public. Those days are long gone. But but you can do a SPAC, you can make speculative forward-looking uh, projections, even if they have no basis in reality, uh, and you can short-circuit a lot of the due diligence and requirements of an IPO. That's what BuzzFeed did. Uh, I think it only raised something like $16 million. Bucks. Yeah, I it mean, was about that. By golly, you know, <laughs> probably uh, some people could put that on a credit card. Um, they're losing money big time. Uh, they are now off more than 40% of the first week of trading. Just looking at my numbers here, they're down to $6. There was an apology on CNBC asking and saying, oh, well, if the price doubles, it's a pretty big if, then the valuation, not price times earning, which is impossible to calculate since they're losing money, it's uh, price to sales. Uh, well, then it would be a, a reasonable, um, respectable level that would imply that all these other digital-only properties are actually worth something. It was, it was a true fairy tale. Um, what else do we have? Uh, for the nine months ended September 30th, losses of $58 million uh, on revenue of $336 million. Um, and if you back up to their operating loss, if you back out interest and depreciation and taxes, you get uh, $43 million of loss. You know, it's a respectable amount of, of revenue, $336 million, but they're losing money and the stock is down. So with the stock at half or a little bit more of, of where it debuted just a week ago, do you think it's a buy, Mark? No. I, I think the problem with them is, is that I don't know what they are. And... This guy who, you know, set them up, you know, the Peretti, who basically was one of the found, he calls himself one of the founders of Huffington Post, which I guess, you know, they end up buying it or whatever he is. I've listened to the guy a couple of times. I don't think he understands media. I think he understands ideology. He wants to be a player. He wants to be the guy that walks into the 
swanky bar in you know the Upper West Side, and everybody goes, "Oh wow, he knows what Barack Obama." I've never considered him a serious person. Look, a lot of times people get very, very lucky in things, and he did, and he's good. I'm sure he's a very good technology guy. He's a lot richer than I am. I know he's a good investor from what people have said about him. In other words, he's got a good investment team. He picks NVIDIA. He picks the winners. You know what I'm saying? He's good. But when it comes to media, I don't think I think he's interested in dictating more than anything else. Now, I'm saying that because here's my major issue with the guy. They have been asked by their union to establish a $50,000 per content employee floor in New York. In other words, at least pay people $50,000. Now, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I'm a, but I'm a conservative. I don't really, I'm not a big union guy. So it's consistent for me to say no. Right. But they all believe in that union stuff. They all believe in all these things. And they're still saying no. Do you know what it means to say you're not going to pay somebody $50,000 a year to live in New York City? It means basically, hey, let's go hire a bunch of kids who went to some overpriced liberal arts schools, have worthless journalism degrees, and we'll get their parents to subsidize their lifestyle. That's not a business plan. Okay. Now, I just don't see them at this point in time attracting the talent or having the shows. And when you see the articles to do the things that would move them forward, I think there is a growing sense among news readers. I think we're seeing it with Substack. I think Barry Weiss, Joe Rogan, hopefully us, other people where they want to see content that actually has one thing going on, accuracy, okay, and mm-hmm. actually some knowledge. All right. You, you know, when you read some of these Buzz, BuzzFeed pieces, you can just tell that somebody picked it up, ran it off, ran with it, pushed the button, and moved forward. They're trying to get clickbait. They're trying to do things. I don't think the future for news and, and shows is really going to be an advertising-based model. I think it's going to be people paying $3 a month, $5 a month for different avenues of content, and they're just going to go to it. You know, if you put out 25 bucks a month, I told somebody this the other day, and that middle-class guy could do that, say $300 a year for your subscriptions. Okay, you can get probably not – you could probably get the New York Times, but more importantly, you could probably get about seven or eight basically podcasts Spotify, you'd ha- it would, would cover you'd cover seven or eight guys, people right there. But more importantly, you could just get a lot of different sub stacks and things like that. You can get your information. And I think that's where we're going. I think people are going to be on these cell phones and that's where they're going. So I, I see BuzzFeed. Unless they can start turning out some quality content, I think they're in real trouble. Yep. It seems I, I just can't uh you never even see them decided. You see uh of course sort of unusual uh not traditional news stories <laughs> was it teen people teen vogue i forget which actually uh forced its way into some obnoxious political relevance uh it just buzzfeed seems like such a, a non-actor that's why i was shocked by their level of, of revenue but some of that may just be muscle memory i don't know um but uh yeah well they uh, they own a variety of different a variety of different uh, operations. So, you know, you're 331 million. I mean, you're basically talking 25 million. If they got a thousand employees, you know, at 25 million, that's, uh, 
you get thousand employees that that's basically payroll for you know that's most yeah. of that's payroll well, and also let's face they have to hire engineers they have to hire technical people those guys don't care where they work you still got to pay those guys 150 160 a year right. you know right people actually know how to do things you know just to close out on this one <laughs> i kind of wonder how does J school? So yes, you're right. You have to pay these kids who are subsidized. They're subsidized in their education and basically mom and dad are sliding them a few grand so they can live in New York or wherever in Austin and have these jobs. Um, <laughs> and they have these worthless degrees. Journalism school. It's like you sort of teach people five things, who, what, where, when, why, maybe how. And uh, beyond that, it's just, you know, the ability, the ability to ask questions of people and write it up. I have no look, idea look, why I'm, that I'm, takes four years and a quarter of a million dollars. I'm I'm a tabloid guy, Lord, by and large. I tell people that up front. Um, I come from a place where basically we have people who are form five and form seven graduates who are in our who are right for us. We do have we do have a couple of people who went to Oxford. We have our political people at Apple. We did have these people at Apple Daily. We do have educated people. There's no doubt about it. But quite frankly, in Hong Kong, no one's going to send their kid to school four years unless they're rich and, 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 and run around this. Most of our guys are working class. And I think it is one of the things that would bore people. But we have seen a change in, in, in journalism, you know, all the way up through the 80s and things like that. It was guys from state colleges, universities. Maybe they went to St. John's or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now we've got everybody coming out of, um, you know, Harvard and every place else. And they decide they want to be, you know, the next great journalist. And it's the reason why they're a pain in the ass to manage, because you tell them to go down and cover a crime story and they're not interested when there. I mean, I, I was very disappointed in Fox and NBC for not being on the ground there with more people. I mean, there's there's, there's some incredible human stories going on right now in 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 uh, in, in Kentucky and other places. And that's the news that people want. Crime yeah. stories are incredibly good stories. And it's not just because they're good, it's because it's it's real drama. I don't understand why somebody would why would you want to write about climate change all day long unless you just want to hang out with you know people that you think are cool yeah you know i mean a good a good murder a good murder john carry yeah a good murder are you kidding i mean how much more interesting is a a multiple murder that would be fantastic well i mean just yeah look at the expression not that i'm not not that that i'm pushing for multiple murders i'm not pushing for multiple murders (laughs) but it wouldn't it wouldn't kill ratings if it happened um okay we'll we'll leave that there (laughs) uh inflation is at the official inflation which may actually be lower than actual inflation. It's the highest level it's been since 1982. 1982 um, was when Jimmy Carter 1970s level inflation was being arrested. Ronald Reagan got elected, took office early 1981. Ian Paul Volcker, who was the Fed chair at the time, decided they're going to do two things. They're going to arrest inflation by cranking up interest rates, having a very tight monetary policy, but to offset that with a supply side stimulus in the form of tax cuts. So you had an enormously bad recession early in Reagan's presidency, but the supply side cuts meant that by 1983, the economy was growing again, and he would go and be reelected the next year with a 49-state sweep, which is a contradiction in terms, but hey, uh, it was a big deal. Uh, no one is arresting any inflation right now. In fact, we, the, we the, don't have the, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't have the toughness for it. We just don't have the toughness for it. I would even argue that back then, I remember reading a guy saying that the unions were actually for a tough policy. Hmm. A guy told me you could get union economists on there because, look, the fact of the matter is everybody thinks 
are, 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 we have people participating in the discussion about our economy now who don't belong to be participating. They, people go, you know, the teachers union, well, you know, we're teachers and we educate and we know this. You don't know anything. <laughs> you get a, you get, you, there's an ATM in the corner. It comes out of business. It pays your salaries. It comes out of people's property taxes and it pays your salaries. And these people are clueless. All they want is everything to happen. You know, let me tell you how bad inflation is. I was just in Canada and I was at our hotel. I was at the hotels that, that, that I oversee. And I, I've been going there for 20 years. It's actually pretty funny one time. I mean, people go, how long have you been here? And I go, 21 years I've been coming to those hotels. And I, I know I've been to retirement parties. I know so many people. Okay. But let me explain to you one. I'm sorry. I keep saying that. Everybody I'm talking to is telling me how expensive things sure. are everybody i'm talking to is telling me how milk costs more how some this costs more how that costs more people are hurting okay and it looks like the reaction that we're going to have from central bankers and from this administration i'm not sure if if it'll keep if it keep going the reaction we're going to have is just to print more money hence across the board and in part because of a labor shortage hotels and other things in the Niagara area, the minimum is going to be 7% raise for most people across the Niagara region, 7%. And you know what? Guess what inflation's running at? Eight and a quarter. Mm-hmm. They're, losing it, they're losing ground. Mm-hmm. But also the fact of the matter is they're not getting ahead. People yeah. aren't getting ahead. Before they were getting ahead, they felt like they were moving up. And, and that's a huge problem. And I'm telling you, you people wonder why Hispanics are flipping for Republicans because they're not stupid and they don't have their, they don't have a trust fund and they don't have their parents paying for everything. You know, they're not looking for a job at Buzzfeed with their parents subsidizing 20 grand a year so they can go out to their favorite latte bar. The fact of the matter is people are hurt. And I really, I really get offended because I have in the three businesses I oversee, one business is white collar, the rest business are, businesses are blue collar. I've got a private operation that I oversee mostly Hispanic guys, you know what I'm saying? These guys, and, and you get these, these air, this arrogance. Oh, you know, maybe don't eat this. Maybe don't eat that. It's all somebody who's not going to have to sacrifice. We cannot reign over top of people, okay? We cannot look down at people and say, well, maybe you have to sacrifice, but we won't. Gas, I took an F-150 up to Canada, okay? Drove it up there because I had some stuff to do. To fill it up was $105, Wow. Okay. I took that same same thing two years ago. I actually went on my Amex and checked $76. Think about people who are trying to get around. Look at all the things that are happening. Oh, you can work an extra four hours, but you know, it's it's not happening for people. It's not good. And then you get these people saying, Oh, well, the, the meat factories are making so much more money. Oh, yeah. Con- congratulations. They're making more money because there's more demand for their product than they have product. So you raise your price. You know, you have a marginal increase on the product that you're selling. But I'm telling you, Christian, it is a huge, huge issue. And it, it, is, it, is, it is something I cannot even fathom how people just blow this off. And, you know, in China, it's really funny. In China, we just had the former finance minister, I guess he's looking to go to jail, say, we need some honest discussions about statistics. All I thought to myself is, I'd like to have some honest discussions about financial statistics in the U.S. 
every everything is spin. Everything is, mm. and it gets back to our media, where basically all the media elites. They all want to go to the convention center. They all want, I'm sorry, they all want to go to the Kennedy Center together. They all want to hang out together. And you know what? They're all making $400,000. They don't give a damn that a gallon of milk costs cost a little bit more. They don't, they don't have any thought process about, you know, because they're on Amazon all the time. You know what I'm saying? They don't care. Everything, they're not even looking at prices. And there right. are people out there who are looking at it. And it's hurting the American people. Yeah, it's out of control. It's and it's in the places that people it really does matter, does impact uh, normal people. You know, I always love the debate, and they say, well, um, you know, overall inflation is at seven percent, but core prices only went up four or five percent, <sighs> and that's and that's so we're going to exclude volatile categories like energy and food. It's like, what do you think the average person consumes in a given week? Are they out buying gas turbines? Uh, or a hundred thousand pounds of rebar? No, they're, I mean, they're buying food. I, I mean, gas. what do you, what do you what, when you make up statistics like that and you're in the office? I mean, don't you like need to take a shower afterwards because you feel so slimy? <laughs> you know, that's like the one thing is that always drives me crazy about CPI and Republicans are guilty of it. Nobody ever includes rent. Rent is yeah. going through the roof. It's going. Everybody, everybody is there as a property owner. You know. I take somebody up four. I take somebody up five percent. It's because I don't want to really have the person out. You know what I'm saying? But five percent—that's a lot of money for somebody when I'm charging them two thousand dollars a month. I just raised them basically, you know, another hundred bucks, another thir- twelve, twelve or thirteen hundred dollars a year. They got to come up with that out of their pocket. Are they getting that? Are they getting that kind of money back in a raise? I'm not so sure. Right. And it just reinforces, especially in housing, that there is an asset bubble and it's being driven by monetary politics, policy. Yes. Excuse me. If you create all these dollars and they're chasing a finite amount of goods, uh, the price is going to go up. It just is. And uh, you could say that, well, there's a scarcity and maybe there is in some markets, certainly hot places that people want to move to. But, um, you know, the fact that rents are going up even in New York City, which is not back online and which, you know, great hopes for the new mayor taking office in the new year. But, uh, you know, crime out of control, offices closed, places just kind of pretty down in the heel. Um, so uh, and it's interesting, right? You know, Republicans have not figured out how to capitalize this, how to explain it in in in, in easy term terms that, that people can understand. People are drawing their own conclusion. They're not, it's amazing. If you look at the generic poll, are you gonna vote Democrat or Republican in the congressional elections? Republicans are up. There's even a new freak poll. There are two polls about uh, two or three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, having Republicans up more than 10% in this poll. And incidentally, when this poll is tied, Republicans usually uh, kill it in the house, they usually pick up 20, 30, 40 seats. Um, but even, I think, I can't remember if it was Politico's, I just remembered it was a left-leaning outlet, came out recently and had Republicans up by 10 points. And that's not because they're doing anything particularly smart. It's because average people, without watching MSNBC or other networks, can, can go and see what's happening um, you know, in, their, in their bank account every month. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, uh, one other thing, two other things on that. One is... Do you think Amazon is driving some of the wage inflation here? I mean, they are sort of. Yeah, of course. De facto, yeah. Because we're, we're, we're one of my one of our businesses is we're the largest business in the community where we're at. And all the small guys complain, oh, you know, you guys just took your people up to $17 an hour. You know, literally within, you know, or you just took your Canadian, Canadian, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe. <laughs> so, so the thing is, but I mean, you took your people up to this wage and that wage, and then the small guys have to follow. Look, 
there are too many jobs chasing not enough people. But I, what kind of cracks me up on this is I thought Amazon were the bad guys that didn't do anything. And then the Wall Street Journal has a big story today about how Amazon's wrecking anything. They're making small business people pay more. Just a quick story. The reason why I'm so interested in this is years and years and years ago, I had a relative and we had a factory that moved into down in Southwest Virginia. And it wasn't a furniture factory. It was some other type of modern. It was working with the rail cars and something like that. And the guy came out with basically because it had a union tie up up north and to move the jobs down, the guy came out with wages that were like $14 an hour. So that'd be like $28 an hour today. And I just remember this one man who was at the store when we used to go for complaining about how it was driving up all his wages and all his wages and, and, and this and that and how it was driving everything, everything through the roof. And as we're walking out, my uncle said to me, he said to me, yeah, he said, he's kind of upset. And I go, why is he upset? He said, well, he basically uses prison labor um, for some of his work, work, road work. And it's tied to, it's tied to a, uh, it's tied to some type of index that he has to pay these guys. So uh, he, he's, he's worried that they're going to ask that the, the, the warden's going to tell him to pay the guys more money. That's my mentality here. <laughs> that's the mentality I'm looking at. In other words, I know it's not a direct correlation, but that's the way some employers are. I have no sympathy. If Amazon wants to pay somebody $25 an hour and the other guy can't do it, then God bless Amazon. It's like, it's not, it's not, they go, well, Amazon has all these. Yeah. They have more efficiencies in their business. If I were you get out there and find some more efficiencies, right. you know, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give, I don't, I mean, they're the evil corporation one day that they're not because they're union. And now, now we know why they're not getting unions because basically you go to these small areas in Alabama and places like that. And look, what's and look at that tragedy that just happened in Illinois that Amazon warehouse was hit. Amazon had executives on the ground in 24 hours. You know, they had jets flying in, you know, guys walking around. I, I, I was reading somewhere that basically the Amazon guys are walking in like with Jeff Bezos and some of his personal security guys armed because they're carrying so much cash just to make sure their people get what they need. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so, so my point is, is like, it's, these are not the complaints about them. I just can't, it's, it's, that's the whole thing. It's ideological people sitting around going like, Oh, well they're bad. So let's find another way to attack them. I mean, I I just don't understand the mentality. It's like nobody ever had a summer job. Who's a journalist anymore. Other than, (laughs) other than working at their, like their mother's favorite NGO. It's just drive me crazy. (laughs) That's right. Now you have me thinking about your guy who was using prison labor. I hope it was like cool hand Luke, uh, which is, uh, well, Southwest Virginia. So I think cool hand Luke would have probably been like a step up. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Oh, um, you know, final facet on inflation is crypto. Crypto, you know, took a dive with um, Bitcoin below 50, but it's now back up above. It isn't where it was. Uh, I've been extremely skeptical of this, of crypto all along, just because I think that if it ever comes to challenge real currencies, then you'll see Western countries do what China did, which is just to outlaw them. I mean, Federal Reserve, if you ever really challenged the dollar as a reserve currency. I mean, that would, uh, for better or worse, pretty much for worse. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> if we suddenly lost the ability just to buy up debt that Congress racks up, 
by printing dollars, um, that would be a huge, huge change in lifestyle for America. It might be something that would be good in the long term, be shocked in the short term. Um, you know, people are using this somewhat instead of gold, uh, at least temporarily. Gold isn't really down much, but it's not up as much as you think for an inflationary environment. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I think it's, I'm still a skeptic. I'm, I'm questioning myself a little bit just because it has had staying power, all of these crypto, but what do you think of that versus gold as a hedge? Well, first of all, I, I am, I am, a, I am a, I am a gold, physical gold believer in physical gold. Um, if you, ha- if I have to give people advice, you can't all have it. I had a friend and his whole belief was, you know, he said, look, if you're making more than $250,000 a year. He said, I know you may have a lot of pressures on you. He said, you should always have $50,000 in cash. He said, or $50,000 in just liquid gold or something, you know, it's not liquid, but I mean, gold bars, you got to have that there. And that's your protection when everything goes bad, if you lose your job, because when things go bad, it all happens at once. So yeah. gold is the one thing that probably would sustain you. Um, I'm not a crypto person because I believe everything you just said. I think the moment that crypto really starts threatening, I think crypto is the one thing politically that is so vulnerable because so many people don't like it. So few people play with it. And, you know, it's basically it'd be like Peter Thiel complaining somebody took money from him. That's how popular crypto players are. In other <laughs> words, they have no friends in the financial press. They right. have no friends anyplace else. It's, it's an easy political move. And we saw with China, there was a little bit of backlash. Of course, the Chinese move offshore to play it. But to me, it's a casino. And, I'm, yeah. I, and I don't like it. And the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, I think the thing is, is like, what do we invest for? Do we invest to make money or do we invest for security? Most of us make money on our jobs. We make money through. You know, so we're trying to, like, build something up as quickly as possible. Why stay up at night, walk out in the morning and meet Maria Bartomeu, CNBC has on the, oh, crypto's down 23%. <sighs> you know, and then you're, you know. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, that's and that's the key because you don't want with a currency. It's nice if you own something and it appreciates. But that's not what you want in a currency. You want a, the perfect currency would hold its value perfectly. A perfect currency, one unit yes. would buy me a cheeseburger today, and that same one unit would buy me a cheeseburger 10 years from now. Uh, and there well, doesn't that, seem to be much out there like that. No, I mean, but the whole thing is, is like I'm saying, you know, if you're an investor, if you're, you're, you're also living your life, put some cash in the bank. Um, you know, if you want to put it under the mattress, that's fine too. Just make sure you have a gun at home. But I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, you know, but the thing is, is like, I, I, if you're going to have gold, have physical gold, I wouldn't, I'm not a gold bug. I don't think people should have it. But look, if your argument is, I want to have crypto in case this and that, then that's fine. If your argument is, I'm going to have crypto because I'm going to make a lot of money off of it. Well, basically, if you bought it a year ago and you timed it perfectly when it was at 35, you're a genius. But that's what, that's what my 22-year-old nephew thinks, you know what I'm saying? And so we just sit back and let him lose money. And, uh, you know, and then he slowly, he'll learn or he'll, he won't have any money left. But right. the thing is, is that, but I, my point to people is, I think if you're going to buy gold, buy physical gold, put it in the safety deposit box, I think that's the thing that you're looking for. And I think, you know, I, and then if you're going to have cash, put cash in the bank, nothing wrong with holding on the cash and like the u.s dollar is going to continue to be you know quite a good shot i mean one of the things for example right now is like i get paid in taiwan i mean in taiwan because i spend my time in taiwan i get paid in taiwanese dollars the taiwan dollars at 26 7 or 27 or something like that it's usually we used to be at 30 so it's a 10 you know it's more than a 10 percent switch 
I'm, st- I'm changing all the time now to U.S. dollars because mm-hmm. it's a great one. And, you know, you can lose that. So I, I live a life like that. Hong Kong, the only thing it's still got going for is got a peg to the U.S. dollar. Yeah. And the, the moment that goes away, that's it. Look, I, I just believe that, you know, people have to understand who they are. We are not all Warren Buffett. We are not all Peter Thiel. We are not these people. When they're playing crypto or they're playing these games, this is just a game to them. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a very smart bunch of very smart people in the room that are much smarter than I am, and they're probably much smarter than most investors. You know, it's uh, it's it's so I my my advice to people always is get yourself some gold, get yourself some uh, get yourself some cash, and you know what? If something happens, you're good for a year. Right. You know, right. paying paying the yes. mortgage, driving dri- paying the mortgage working for Amazon while you're looking for a job because Amazon pays <laughs> right. pretty good. Yeah. We could yeah, drive for Uber. Uh, okay. To close out the episode. <laughs> I love this story. Peloton. I shorted Peloton previously, closed out the position. You have, you've done very well on Peloton. I know. It's, uh, so I think you, it, wrote, it going, I think you well, yeah. wrote this episode. I think you wrote this episode. Uh, yeah. So here's the latest development. Um, uh, so it's down. It's 52 week high. It was 171. It's now about 38. That's a 52 week low. Um, <laughs> And Deutsche Bank initiated coverage with a buy just a week ago, even though it's continued to fall. Oopsie. Um, And they also, uh, so they keep missing and they also just had a public relations disaster. They knew, I don't know if they tried to get the product placement or if they knew it was happening. They just didn't know what it would be specifically. There's a Sex in the City movie that I guess is just out or coming out. I can guarantee you I will not be seeing it. Mr. Big dies after a peloton workout <laughs> i know so, not good pr for the company as it, as I, it turns I, out, I, so. <laughs> you know you said it exactly about peloton and i think people can see from my multiple chins on television um my whole thing really is this is that it's 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 not a software company it's a cool bike that basically people were bored they had to have something to do um it was just like putting in new windows. Anderson windows, by the way, did huge business during the COVID crisis. Cause people sat around and goes, Oh, I'd like to get some new windows. I feel a draft or whatever. And Peloton's just a COVID buy. It's, 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 uh, I think it's probably a pretty decent product. If you're looking for an exercise bike, why not? But that's all it is, is an exercise bike. It is not the be all end all of the world. Um, I hope the executives sold their shares at a very high level and my belief is probably we will see Peloton three years from now uh, in Nordstrom's, in the Nordstrom sports section, which we know is horrible, or at Dick's or something like that. <laughs> and it'll just be like every other bike. And it'll probably be owned by someone like Johnson from Taiwan or some Chinese company or something like that. I think the product's fine, but the idea that it's worth a lot or it's something special is ridiculous. And the interesting thing was it's amazing. I mean, you see how many people have come up against it right away. But I love the idea that Mr. Big, Chris North, you know, when I, when you, when you sent that to me, I wasn't aware of it. So I looked it up real quick. I'm going like, can you imagine? I mean, and what, what, are we ever going to find out if there was a guy at Peloton who got it in there for product placement? That'll be hilarious. <laughs> Cause that guy will, that guy will never work again. That'll be like the guy in the toy business who on Miss Kitty. You know what I'm saying? There's actually a guy who did it, you know, fortunately he found a lot of other stuff, but I met him. And he said, you know, to this day, that's what he's known as, even though he had all of his other successes. But, hey, look, you know, it's 
Um, is it a short still? You're better at that stuff than I am. You know what I'm saying? But I close my position. So I would say, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, be careful. I, it's, it's, lo- it's low. It's low enough now. We're quite frank. We may see some acquisition activity as I looked into it. You know what I'm saying? Mm, mm. But it's going to be, it's, it's going to go lower. I mean, it's going right. to go lower. I think I just don't, I just don't, I don't, I don't believe. I don't believe in all these. It's a bike. You right. ride it. That's what it's, you do. Yeah, it competes with a $15 jump rope. Granted, you know, okay, so it has the screen, it's interactive, and blah, That's blah, right. blah, and it's got the music. It's uh, it's a little different, but <laughs> not that different. Yeah. And, and for what it, for what it is, basically, I mean, like a guy said, he's, I didn't realize how expensive they were yeah. with this programming thing. You can go, you can get like a full gym membership, which I wouldn't use either, but you know what I'm saying? At least I'd feel better about having the gym membership. I could go have a cup of coffee in there and maybe feel, but it's, it is, it is, it is amazing. It is beautiful. Go to the gym. They should really serve booze there, like to have a uh, you know, nice uh, glass of wine while I look at fit people. The, 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 the problem is, I'm, <laughs> the problem is, I'm the old guy at the gym now. You know, I used to be the guy who was like, you know, talking. I, the, the comment I get now sometimes, like, "You look like my father," and I'm going like, "Great," you know, which is fine. <laughs> Actually, it saves it saves saves me so much trouble. Thank God. But anyway, oh, by the way, um, look, um, I I I, I want to give you credit for the Peloton thing because I think it was an incredibly good call and. It goes to what you invest in what you know in you were driving along you saw all these things sitting on this bike and you said the pelotons will be the next thing in the street a year from now you know and and and, and so that'll, garages it, it, it's always going to happen it's just it's so hard for people to you know to keep doing these things you know it's like in the tony soprano show I remember he used to get on the bike and used to ride on the bike and I'm going like, if I had that, but my wife would not let that bike sit in our bedroom. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, come on, you know, it's ugly and, you know, it's sitting there. So then you put it in the basement, then he, he moved to the basement, and then it's all over. He stopped, just stopped going. That was a subplot of The Sopranos. I watched that show a lot. <laughs> it's a good one. It was good. All right. That's all the time we have for this episode. If you like what you see, please just subscribe to us on YouTube if you're watching us there or follow us on your podcast catalog. Leave a comment if you're on Apple. Thanks so much. And we'll be back again soon.